Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. This episode is brought to you by Philo. Do you love TV? Do you love saving money? Then Philo is your solution. Philo has shows, movies, and live TV for just $25 a month. You can even try it for free with their seven-day free trial. No contracts, no commitments, no hassles, just a better way to watch TV. Never miss a minute of shows like the hit docuseries Where is Wendy Williams or classics such as Friends. If you can't get enough TV, then there's no better way to watch. Philo has more than 70 channels like BET, MTV, and AMC. And the best part? You can try it yourself with their seven-day free trial. Sign up today at philo.tv slash poppods. That's P-H-I-L-O dot TV slash P-O-P-P-O-D-S to get 50% off your first month. Mark Striegel. John Astronomy. The Talking Metal Podcast. Coming to you from the Silver Spacecraft. I'm Bud Friendly, and now your hosts, Mark and John. Hey, it's Mark Striegel, and we are here at the Rock and Pod Expo in Nashville, Tennessee, August 26th, 2017. This is a great convention where all the rock podcasters are getting together. There's also a lot of notable rockers, musicians, producers, and we are honored right now to be joined by legendary producer and engineer Toby Wright. Toby, how are you? I'm doing great. Thank you. How Thank, are you? Oh, I'm great. I'm great. And I'm thrilled to be talking to you. You have such an incredible catalog of stuff that you've worked on. And I'd love to hear some stories about some of the artists you've worked on. But sure. before we delve into the past, what are you, uh, what are you currently working on? I'm uh, actually working on developing a few artists here in Nashville. Um, and also working on some technology type stuff. Uh, some apps and some healing sounds and all, some stuff like that. Toby, uh, you were telling me that Nashville has always been a great music city, but it's expanded a lot with a lot of different genres of music recently, and we were talking about how many different uh, people moved here instead of going to New York or L.A., and uh, have, what have you noticed in the last five years about how cool Nashville has become? I think just the level of talent, really. Um, you know, the, the musicians here are incredible. Uh, you go downtown and, and uh, you know, go to the Strip any night of the week, any time of the day from 11 a.m. on, and there's some incredible cats playing. And, you know, Absolutely. if you can sit through the country cover songs, right. you know. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, I think that, that that has grown so much in the last five years, you know, because Nashville is cheaper, I think, than, right. than any of the coasts. Um, and, and, you know, I think that really 
you know, plays into the musician's pocket these days. Definitely. Now, Toby, before moving to Nashville, you were an L.A. guy, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and then and New York before that. Wow. Um, where are you originally from? New York? New York City, yeah. Oh, cool. I grew up at, at Electric Lady in New York. Oh, wow. Yeah, I've, I've been down to Electric Lady uh, twice. I was... Uh, in there once when uh, Guns N' Roses was doing Chinese Democracy. Okay. And then I was there with Ace Frehley to do um, not an actual recording, but the recording of a uh, like a, a television uh, show or, or okay. a YouTube show. Right. But it, but it was such a legendary studio. That's great. I didn't know that you worked in that studio. Yeah, I worked there for two and a half, almost three years. Wow. What and, years? Um, what year range? God, uh, eighty to eighty-three, maybe. Wow. So I, yeah. I was very young and. You know, just cutting my teeth in the industry, going to school at NYU, and, uh, and then I, you know, got, I wanted to do engineering and stuff, and so, um, you know, the maintenance man, his name is Sal Greco, a wonderful, wonderful human who built Princess Paisley Park and, wow. and also um, a studio here in Nashville, um, he cut my teeth on the maintenance aspect of it. Nice. Um, so, you know, he was like, if you can fix it, you can definitely operate it. So, I went with that, you know, for about 10 years or so, and... And then got into the, uh, then moved out to LA and got into all the, you know, assisting engineering and engineering and eventually producing. Wow. Cool. And you're producing and engineering. I mean, it's just the catalog is just legendary at this point. I mean, there's Thank so you. many classic records, records that changed my life. I just want to pick your brain on some of them. Uh, a record, you know, we always hear about Nevermind by, by Nirvana being this like, uh, game-changing album, but for me personally, it was you know who, a guy who was kind of tuned in a little bit more to what was going on on the under underground. The album that really, to me, set the the tides changing was that first Alice in Chains record, which was a good two to three years, I believe, before Nevermind, and that's an album you worked on. Alice Chains, the self-titled record, uh, incredible stuff. How? I remember hearing stories that these guys were a little more like like 80s rock sounding, but they, when they got into the studio or maybe right before, they kind of changed and evolved into something else. Is that true? Yeah, to to a point. Um, I will correct you, however. I did. Uh, I started with Alice in Chains on Jar of Flies, which was our oh, actual okay, okay. Uh, Sorry fourth about that. Yeah. recording. No, that's Good. okay. Um, because that, that record was done in 10 days from... Written, recorded, produced, engineered, and mixed in ten days. Okay. Um, Wikipedia has you down. I'm working on the first record, by the way. So well, don't trust you Wikipedia. You know how Wikipedia yeah. is. Yeah. You can self-edit that one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, but no, that's okay because you know that I think that record, the Jar of Flies record, was one of the one of their best. And right. I think it yes. was at at their you know peak of of songwriting at that point. Um, and a lot of you know they had just come back from a Lollapalooza tour, so they were hot. You know, yeah. he just went in the studio and and just nailed it. And on that record, one thing again in in the 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 rumors and, and the stories that we hear about that record specifically was was Lane was start you know starting to kind of because of his addictions, uh, not quite he wasn't quite there and Jerry really had to step step things up and we hear a lot of Jerry's voice on that record. Was was there problems with with Lane at that point when you were working with him? How how um, how mentally and physically there was he during the recording? On, on that record, he was as lucid as we are. Yeah, well, because okay. um, he had just come back from the road and personal habits 
yeah. hadn't taken hold of him quite yeah. yet. Okay. Um, and then subsequent records, the dog record and things like that, it was a little bit tougher uh, because of whatever personal habits he was into. Right. Okay. Okay. And did you work on the, the unplugged record with him? I did. Too? I did that from beginning to end. Everything you see in here is, I touched it. And was that 100% live, or did they come in and touch 110% some stuff? 110% live. Really? Wow. Okay. <laughs> There's no overdubs allowed. Um, so the rules for the MTV Unplugged is you're allowed to play uh, you know, the song that you're playing as many times as you'd like um, to get the right take. Right. Okay. So some of the songs we had to play you know, four and five times to get it right. There's, you know, uh, I put in some of the some of the blunders, if you will, on uh, the DVD where, you know, Sludge Factory is played five times. Yeah. Um, but it was really like, I don't know, 15 or so and because Lane kept forgetting the lyrics. Right, yeah. The main reason was because the it was about Sony and the heads of Sony and they were all sitting right in front of him. So yeah, yeah. He got a little intimidated, I think, <laughs> which was kind of funny. Um, how about working with Korn? I mean, that was just a blockbuster record. Follow the leader, right? Yes, just, sir. Just... Again, one one of those records that just really kind of was a game-changing thing, you know. Uh, now we that music, that style that they kind of started with that referred to sometimes as new metal, if you will. Right. How do you feel about that title, new metal? Uh, eh. yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah, right. It's all music to me. I'm, right. I'm not a category type of guy or a genre kind of guy. I just love music in general, and you know, from country and folk all the way up to you know what they call death metal. Right. So it's all, it all has its purpose. It all feels good to me, mostly. Was that a hard um, record to make, Follow the Leader? It took 18 weeks. Yeah, okay. Uh, which is a long time. Right. Um, and it was, it was challenging in the, in the ways of trying to get the members all the focus. Okay. Um, and, you know, I, I was hired just to engineer the record at first. Um, and and uh, Steve Thompson was brought on as the producer, and then he was let go for whatever reasons, uh, yeah. you know, about a third of the way through, and then I took over from there. Okay. And so it was, to me, you know, it was all about experiments in sound, because um, we did a lot of weird, I did a lot of weird miking techniques and weird things to get, you know, some of the sounds that are on that record. Yeah, which is definitely some Just, unique you know, sounds for sure. Ladies and no plug-ins. <laughs> right, right, yeah. <laughs> Uh, Mark, could you just double check that that thing it fell down? But okay, so Toby, I wanted to uh, talk to you about a record that that I really love that I, I wish uh, got more notoriety than it did. But there are a hardcore group of fans who loved Carnival of Souls oh, yeah. by Kiss, and I wanted to ask you, like, just from the very beginning, did did you know Paul and Jean, or did they come to find you because of the work you've done with some of the other artists that you work with? Uh, they came and found me um, through Bob Ezrin. Right. Um, and Bob had recommended me to Gene and Paul uh, because of the work I had done with in the grunge scene. Right. Um, you know, notably with Alice and James. And uh, I guess Bob thought that those workers were really good. So Which they were. So he recommended me. and. I accepted, and I'm very glad I did because it was a once-in-a-lifetime experience. Yeah, so uh, you produced that with Paul and Gene. Did, did they, how did it work with all three of you? Did you, did you kind of lead the way and then they, uh, you know, just chimed in if, if there was something that they felt strongly about? Or tell me how that worked. Yeah, that was, that was about how it worked. We did, you know, they had already, they wrote all the songs. Uh, I don't remember how many were written, but we chose 
you know, the, the breadth of what's on there from what they had written um, together. And then the next, after that, then, you know, I kind of took the lead in the studio. Uh, we rehearsed, you know, with, uh, with Eric and uh, with Eric and Bruce. And after that, we just went in the studio and, and kicked butt, you know. Yeah, the, the record is amazing. One of the songs that I, I wish that Gene would do something even more with and possibly bring back is Childhood's End. I, I love that song. I love that song, too. And yeah. I, I was trying to recreate, um, you know, some, uh, some of the Bob Ezrin tricks on that one. Very cool. Um, you know, with the huge, you know, children in the background and, right. and all that stuff that he's so famous for. And I knew that Gene loved so much, you know. Yeah. So I was trying to follow a mentor again. <laughs> now, how was it? How was uh, the participation of a, a great guy, a great musician, and a great friend, Bruce Kulick, uh He had a lot to do with that record, right? Oh, a big part of it. Yeah. yeah. A lot more so than everybody else. Wow. You know, he really kept it going and wanted everything to be perfect. Um, and, you know, he put his poured his heart and soul into that record for sure, right. and it shows. Yeah, and he even sang on that record. He certainly did. Which is great. Now, with, with Bruce not being known as a lead singer, um, how, how did that work out? Did was it natural thing for him, or did you have to kind of coach him into uh, how to how to do a track? But a little of both. Um, cool. You know, he had a good idea of how to approach it, and then you know, I would I would listen and you know do my producer thing, where you know, yeah, that's a really good you know sentence or a really good take overall, and you know, let's try another one, and you know, just to get you know something else out of it. Where did you guys do that? Because I, I've seen a, a photograph that's used in the album artwork, and it looked kind of like, um, like a rehearsal type place, but also could have been like a live room in the studio. Did, where did you, like, what kind of studio did you use? I forget what it said in the liner notes. Like, yeah, we did um, we did everything, uh, almost everything, I think, at uh, Music Grinder Studios, which was on Hollywood Boulevard at the time, and oh, cool. now Corn actually owns the studio. Oh wow! I don't know if they still do, but they did. But they did a couple years ago. Yeah. Wow. Um, and uh, uh, that's a really excellent studio. Um, I've used it since you know the mid '80s, um, and uh, we did we did most of it there. And then uh, the the cover shot I think is done um, in a man named Kurt Cuomo's uh, home studio at the time. Oh, okay. I don't know him personally, but I, I'm familiar with his name. Yeah, yes. he's, he's been around the Kiss world for quite a while. Um, okay, so that, yeah, that was the picture I was thinking of. So that wasn't where you recorded most of the record, but that's where you did some of the right, work. Right, right. Yeah, we did a little bit of work there, but, you know, they just... I'm not sure why they felt that was an appropriate place to take the picture, but okay, whatever. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it worked. Let me, get, let me turn this back over to Mark for a second. Thank you for, for that great information about a great record that I, I wish all of our listeners would go back out and give, a, give another listen and much, many, many more listens. But. Absolutely. Toby, you've had such an incredible career. When you look back over it, what are some of the highlights? Who are some of your favorite artists that you worked with? Oh, man. Um, Kiss, of course, Alice, Corn Boys, um, Chris Whitley, I can say, uh, without hesitation. Um, so many more. And, you know, it just, I've, I'm very grateful to all the artists that I've worked with because they've all taught me something on, on one record or another. And I, I really, I think that information is valu invaluable to me and to help other artists in the future. Very good. Very good. Thank you for joining us here on Talking Metal. Where is the best place the listeners can get in touch with you online? 
Uh, that would probably be tobywrightmusic.com. Cool. We'll have that link through today's show notes, and we're also going to hopefully have a picture of John and I along with Toby at the Rock and Pod Expo here in Nashville, Tennessee. Toby, it's an honor talking to you. Thank you. Appreciate it. This is Childhood's End by Kiss on Talking Metal, and of course by Toby Wright.
Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.